welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for this week. It's going to be a little bit of a bridged version. Unfortunately, I'm sorry about that. I, uh, I told you last week that I was going to be covering Dynamite, Power, and Monday Night Raw. Unfortunately, I had a prior engagement that I thought I should be at and involved my job. And I was unfortunately unable to watch AEW Dynamite last night. But I'll cover Monday Night Raw and NWA Power on this episode next week. Hopefully we get back to normal where we have I do my Monday Night Raw NWA Power, and then AEW Dynamite uh, rundowns. But before I get to the Monday Night Raw rundown, I gotta go over something first. It was reported on WWE Backstage that John Morrison and WWE have finally come to terms on a multi, multi-year multi contract. So I heard about, well, there was a rumor swirling and stuff that he did sign. It didn't become official until, what, Tuesday or, yes, Tuesday night. But yes, John Morrison has returned to WWE. If you want to get my thoughts on that, I had a podcast about a month, a month and a half of month a month or a month and a half ago where I kind of talked about his return and what matches I was kind of excited to see him in once he gets back into WWE. But that can be found in the archives, Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. But let's get this thing rolling with the Monday Night Raw Rundown. It opens up with Charlie Caruso interviewing AOP as they enter the arena. They speak. Nothing's really said in English. And then Charlie says she doesn't speak Albanian or Punjabi. And they say they say she looks very nice. And then just walk away. And the great thing we got from this was Samoa Joe back on commentary. And I was reading online that Dio Madden, he's not coming back to the commentary booth supposedly Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn did not like him on commentary like his uh like what he was doing on commentary. I didn't think he was bad. Personally, I enjoyed Dio Madden on the Monday Night Raw commentary team cuz I <laughs> Jerry Lawler, I don't I just don't think he's I don't know. It's just not it's just not the same as 10-15 years ago. It doesn't seem like he's as, as as prepared as he used to be, or is it it's just his style doesn't work in today, work today. But yeah, we got Joe back on commentary again. And then Seth Rollins comes out to apologize, says he likes his job. He once likes to get everyone motivated to be the best, and they're all family there. Apologize to the locker room, and especially Mr. Kevin Owens himself, Mr. Stun. Owens stun. Uh, KO says this apology smells like he did it in a really roundabout way, and then he finally got to say BS pretty much. Bolt, and they didn't bleep it out. That's the second week he said something very inappropriate, and last week it was P R I C K 
And if you know what I mean, that's what he said last week. So they're trying to get a little more edgy. And he's AOP comes out, stands at the uh, stands at the entrance ramp, and then KO's talking to him. It says KO sees three scenarios where all of them end pretty much with KO getting attacked, and they said, "Might as well." He says, "Might as well do it now." But uh, Seth walks out, and then AOP lets him through. Seth says he doesn't think... Seth mentioned in this that he's not involved with AOP. They are not, they're not working together. But it's teasing like they are as AOP led him through as he was walking up the ramp. And honestly, I think Seth Rollins is so much better as a heel than he is a face. I don't know. He just comes off as really, really, really corny as a face. But he is... His character right now is more suited for heel work. And then uh, KO eventually comes down. Not KO. Uh, Lana enters. KO's ban- KO banters with Lana. And it was absolutely hilarious because he was speaking. He was saying the things that we've all wanted to say, pretty much. He He's... He's pretty much saying what every fan is thinking right now of this Lashley and Lana angle with Rusev. But yeah, he was speaking on behalf of the fans. He said at one point, like at the right beginning, he says, nobody cares about you. And it pretty much, summed, like I said, summed up all of our feelings on this storyline. And KO putting out the really good promo work, really good promo from KO. It sets up KO versus Lashley. Uh... AOP, it's more, it was more of about, more about AOP showing up, like the match to beat down KO after a pop-up powerbomb. Really, I thought the commercial break hurt the match, because we didn't get to see a lot of the match. A lot of the match was during the commercial break. KO won it by DQ, but I just didn't think, what was the point of having this match? If the same thing could have been accomplished in the opening segment, where... KO's getting one to get beat up, and I think it would have made more sense if they would have had Rollins walk up the ramp and AOP just come down and ambush KO. I just thought this was a pointless, pointless match that didn't really go anywhere. Then there was a post-match interview that uh, Bobby Lashley was saying he knows nothing about AOP, but the only thing he cares about is Lana. That Lana's okay. And then Lana, she's complaining about getting booed. Rusev comes out and attacks. There were bodyguards present at the ring at the beginning of the match. I forgot to mention that, but uh, Lana slaps an officer. Both are arrested, which made no sense because Bobby Lashley didn't really do anything at all. He just got arrested for absolutely no reason. That that doesn't make any sense. The logic behind that was absolutely baffling to me because Bobby Lashley didn't do anything to get arrested really. Rusev attacked him. If anyone was supposed to be arrested again, it would be Rusev. And I, I just, from a logic standpoint, I didn't understand that at all. Lana slapping the officer, yes, that does warrant get, warrant uh, an arrest. But yeah, it was just, I didn't think that made sense hardly. But uh, at least we got some kind of payoff. But it just didn't make any sense. 
Uh, Street Profits, funny scene. As they're getting escorted away, Street Profits and R-Truth look on. Then we get Drew McIntyre versus Akira Tozawa. But what are we doing right now with Drew McIntyre? I hate bashing on WWE every week. I would love to say positive things continuously. I'd love to have a great rundown of Monday Night Raw, but every single week I get let down and these these shows drag on. But we get Drew McIntyre versus Secure Tazawa. Tazawa's been looking really good recently, uh, but I just wish they'd give Drew McIntyre an actual storyline. This doesn't really do anything for anybody. And honestly, if he needs to pick up some wins against some big names, if he's ever going to be world champion, they were supposed. I was reading that there was supposed to be this push for Drew McIntyre, but where's the push? I haven't seen any signs of a push on television. Akira Tazawa got a little hope during the match before he got his head absolutely kicked off by a Claymore kick. Then after the match is over with McIntyre winning, McIntyre challenges Randy Orton before the commercial. Then following up the interaction they had last week where they were chopping each other, kind of look and poke, and Orton accidentally actually pokes him in the eye. Uh, then McIntyre describes what he did as stupid, 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 just playing off Orton pretty much. And as Orton and McIntyre face off, the OC comes out and they're butt hurt because Orton costed AJ Styles the U.S. title. And then McIntyre says it's an OC Styles problem and then leaves. OC comes down, beats down Orton. Ricochet shows up. He gets beat down and Humberto shows up. Then Ray shows up, which ultimately set up a six-man for later on in the show for the main event, actually. I just thought there was way too much crap going on. Randy Orton's involved with like six different storylines right now, I feel like. Because he's involved, feels like he's involved with Ricochet. He's involved with Styles. He's involved with McIntyre. He has like three different side stories going on right now, which is incredibly confusing. Up next was Tony Nese versus Aleister Black. And yet another cruiserweight has been practically treated like a joke since he's been brought up to the main roster, including Gulak. It's now Tony Nese. Since they've appeared on Raw or SmackDown, they've been kind of treated as jokes, as I've mentioned. And it's going to really take forever to repair Aleister Black as he has been horribly, I mean horribly underutilized. And I love Aleister Black, but the crowd honestly didn't really care all that much. And honestly, they've done nothing to make me care about Aleister Black ever since he's been brought up to the main roster. He had that little mini push at the beginning when he was uh, doing tag team work with Ricochet. But ever since then, he's kind of been here and there, not doing these worthless promos on television, saying he wants to pick a fight. But Buddy Murphy, as this match is going on, or after the match, says Black takes himself way too seriously and he needs to calm him down and pretty much and he'll be the, and Murphy says he'll be the one to do it if he doesn't do it saying black himself at least we're gonna get good matches out of Murphy and black and at least looking forward to that at least it's some kind of storyline for Alistair Black up next we get Andrade versus Eric Young all right match 
At least we got to see Eric Young get some offense in as he's been dangerously underutilized. He has been hardly on TV this whole entire time. He's been on the main roster, it feels like. And I also like this. This was one part of the match I really enjoyed. It was that Selena Vega did not get involved in the match. One thing that is that one thing I like to say is that Andre Andrade, like I said, isn't going to go anywhere until he starts beating some high-profile competition. There was honestly this this show had way too many squash matches. It had at least three or four. The one with Black, No Way Jose versus Rowan, the Viking Raiders. Those we had three squash matches on this show. Why? But uh, after the Andrade match, Andrade gets the win. Michael Waltrip, NASCAR guys are ringside. It's uh, They're in Nashville, Tennessee, so kind of like a, a big area for NASCAR. Michael Waltrip reveals himself as an official. R-Truth ran out. Uh, Kyle Busch ends up rolling him up, wins the 24-7 title. Then we get an interview with Charlie asking Seth why he didn't help KO when he was attacked. And Seth says, no matter what he said or did, he says something along the lines of, everybody can be a critic, but not everybody has what it takes to be a leader. Just another corny thing from Seth Rollins. Hopefully, uh, him he will embrace that heel character fully here pretty soon. And then we get Rowan talking to his thing in the cage, which I honestly don't think it's anything. It's going to be the biggest letdown ever anyway. And Rowan has completely fallen down the totem pole. He had a feud with Roman Reigns and he actually got a win against Roman Reigns I'm pretty sure on pay-per-view way too many people on the roster and too few spots this is why you don't overload on talent because you can't utilize all of them a smaller roster would help quite a bit up next, we got Charlotte versus the Kabuki Warriors in a handicap match. I thought this was the best thing on the show by far. I thought it was a really good match. I like the story that they were telling here with Flair almost getting it done without a partner. But if she had a partner, she would have been able to beat him probably. Uh, the rumored match at TLC is Kabuki Warriors versus Flair and Lynch in a TLC match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. I like the finish. It was where Sane makes the blind tag. Charlotte puts in a figure four, figure eight actually, on Asuka. And then the insane elbow as Flair was bridging up hits and they get the pin and the win. This is ultimately setting up Flair getting a tag partner and it's probably going to be Lynch. Like I said, that's what the rumored match is. But... I thought this was the best thing on the show. Very good action. Some good drama during this match. And Charlotte Flair just falling short against the Kabuki Warriors. And then also a rumored match coming up at the Royal Rumble is Asuka... Excuse me. Is Asuka versus Becky Lynch. That's the rumored match for the Royal Rumble. Up next, after that, was the Viking Raiders versus the Jobbers. Shaking my head once again. It was very stupid. Three matches at least were squashes. Sorry about that. My Snapchat was updating as I'm talking. But uh, what good does this do for the Viking Raiders ultimately? The Viking Raiders still, they're having squash matches when they are on 
they are when they are the Raw Tag Team Champions. Where are the other tag teams? And still, I was I remember watching this, and still the fans did not care one bit. They've done nothing to make me care about the Viking Raiders. They've gave they gave them given them a couple of decent matches, but hardly ever have they faced solid competition. Other, it's mostly been squash matches this whole entire time. They've either been on the main roster and well, as they've been on the main roster and as champions, they've gotten a bunch of squash matches, not a bu- not a lot of legit matches. Then we get promos from Ray Carrillo and Ricochet before their six-man tag, and it's the main event with the OC Gallows Anderson and AJ Styles versus Humberto Carrillo, Ray Mysterio, and Ricochet. I thought this was a fun tag to close the show. I thought this was a, a fun tag to end the show. Uh, second rope, Styles Clash gets the win for Ricochet, and it gets AJ... Uh, his momentum back after losing the U.S. title last week to Rey Mysterio. And uh, it keeps Rey and Carrillo from taking the pin. That one, that's one thing I liked. Because Rey's the U.S. champion right now. It was not been a good idea to have him get pinned. And then Carrillo, who's trying to rebuild himself after his first uh, couple of... Uh, first couple of losses on the main roster. He's trying to rebuild himself up. And it seems like they're going to be setting up at least... Carrillo, well, Rey Mysterio and Styles again, and then Carrillo against, uh, well, it's probably going to be Carrillo against Styles also, but one thing I didn't understand is why McIntyre didn't get involved in this last segment with Orton, because Orton had an RKO to on AJ Styles to end the show, so yeah, and AJ Styles is getting involved with Randy Orton, so I am so confused because there's like eight, it feels like it's eight different storylines intertwined into one, which is really confusing. I wish they would just kind of narrow it down to a couple of people so I, so it could save me from the confusion. And then I noticed after this show, I was reading some rumblings on Twitter and uh, various articles that they uh, they have hardly anything set up for TLC. I don't think any, Matt, from what I can think of right now, there have been no matches announced for the pay-per-view, and it's two weeks away. It's less than a week and a half away. That's not good. That Like they did with Hell in a Cell, they literally had like two or three matches before the couple, like two days before the show. you got to have better foresight and having stuff prepared so people know what they're buying or know what they are watching on pay-per-view and spending their Sunday night in December. But really, ultimately, this show was a two-match show, and everything else, you could pretty much skip. The OC match with Carrillo, Mysterio, and Ricochet was fun, and then the Charlotte Flair versus Kabuki Warriors match was really, really good, I thought. But other than that, you could really skip this whole entire show. And my last show I'm looking at this week is NWA Power. It's the go-home show, actually, before Into the Fire, the pay-per-view coming up on Saturday, December 14th. Uh, Colt Cabana and Ricky Starks had a non-title match to start the show. Uh, Stevens, Aaron Stevens, comes out with his hands in his ears and question mark out with him. Everyone comes out. Everyone can just come out. He says this, everyone can come... eh. 
He says this, everyone can just come out and hand out random title shots. Steven says he wants a title shot and he's talking about his Hollywood background and stuff. And then Cabana says he's nothing but an actor. And he says if Stevens can get a win by himself, he will get a title shot. And then Stevens sends question mark to the back. Uh, Stevens dominates the action. It's a very short match. And after Stevens goes down with an apparent knee injury, was pulling an acting job. I like how they play off this character. And he has an official, he has official distracted and question mark comes out to check on him and then hits him with the karate chop. And Stevens gets up and pins him. And what I've seen, the the match announced at Into the Fire, it's going to be a three-way match between Colt Cabana, Ricky Starks, and Aaron Stevens for the NWA national title. And then after that, we get a video package of uh, James Storm saying there's a conspiracy that Aldis has been ducking him this whole entire time, pretty much. Multiple matches they have brushed aside, including his three-way to announce the number one contender for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And uh, there was a caveat added to this uh, title match as each uh, wrestler gets to pick their own official for each of the first two falls. So... James Storm picked Brian Hebner. And if that if it comes down to a third fall into the fire, it's a two out of three falls match between James Storm and Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Championship. And like I said, Brian Hebner is on Storm's is Storm's official. And then uh Storm says if all this referee screws up, he's going to put him through absolute hell. And then uh I thought it was effective. I thought I thought it's a little interesting addition to the match, kind of a little more add-on, causing some maybe controversy you'll hear later on with uh, Nick Aldis's official. And then if it comes down to, like I said, the third fall, it's a flip of a coin. So for which official will get to officiate the third and deciding fall if it comes to that at Into the Fire here in about a week and a half. And then after that, we got to see Melina do an interview where Melina says she's there. She's pretty much reiterating what she said last week. Excuse me. She was just reiterating what she said last week on NWA Power. And she's kind of out here to bring out the best out of the division and says it's the first time Allison Kay will have to work hard for something. And then Kay says she'll smack that smug look off her face. And then Kay thinks she's afraid to fight her own fights. And Molina teases going into the ring with Kay. Kay throws her shoes into the ring. And Bell and Rosa come out to jump her three on one. And then there's a tag match at Into the Fire between uh, Ashley Vox, Allison Kay. Those are on one team. And then it is Molina and either Marty Bell or Thunder Rosa in a tag team match. After commercial, we get Ricky Morton, Bob Gibson cutting a promo before their big NWA World Tag Team Championship match. It was a, it's them against Wild Card. Kind of talking about how they're going to be nine-time World Tag Team Champions, NWA World Tag Team Champions. And then we get the follow-up from James Storms' promo with uh, Nick Aldis talking about 
Storm. He says he inserted himself in a situation that he wasn't even involved in and that he turned that one-on-one match that didn't that one-on-one match between Ken Anderson and Eli Drake into a three-way that TV that match never aired. And he says all this goes on to say that James Storm is a mid-carder and he kind of throws a little TNA blurb in there says they aren't in TNA anymore and that three-way was a bunch of chaos with a bunch of interference and all this told him that the only reason he's getting a title match is because of him and he requested it and all this says he deserves to drown in his own BS it makes him regret every second of running his mouth we'll find out who wins that two out of three falls and he chooses of all guys Tim Storm as his referee I think it's a nice development in the story for Tim Storm as all this has kind of been kind of trying to get help him keep his head up after he's lost his last chance at an NWA World Heavyweight Championship uh, opportunity so that'll be interesting to see where Storm goes I, I'm assuming that's going to go like this it's going to be Jane it's going to be Tim Storm deciding the third fall and we'll see what Tim Storm actually does as Aldis has tried to pick, pick him up, but he could be playing him. And then Camille, like he says, it's her own decisions. He gets asked about her, and he says, if you don't see Camille, he reiterates what he said last week. Her decisions are her own, and all the questions and controversy, controversy it is rendering her ineffective, and she will not be ringside at Into the Fire, which I assume she's going to get involved in, get involved somehow, and we could maybe see a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, or she was just playing James Storm this whole entire time. But I thought this was effective both ways. I enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed these separate segments between Nick Aldis and James Orvan as it is building up the title matches at Into the Fire here on December 14th. Unlike what WWE is doing, they haven't really built any matches up for their pay-per-view, which is literally around the same time frame. At least we have the matches promoted and ready to go and see if fans want to buy the pay-per-view, which is actually a really good bargain. $24.99 on Fight TV if you don't get it on the Fight app. If you don't get it by December 7th, if it's if you get it before December 7th, it is $19.99, so a good bargain if you want to watch NWA Power. Oh, NWA Power, NWA Into the Fire on pay-per-view. It'll be on the Fight app. And then the main event, we got the wild cards. Royce Isaacs and Thomas Lattimore against the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Bob Gibson. And I thought they ultimately did a pretty good job of limiting Morton and Gibson's bumps as they're both over 60 years old. And I liked how they used the uh, arm work on Robert Gibson as a kind of a crutch. Uh, But honestly, this was about as good as you can expect from two 60-plus-year-olds. But... I thought it was a good little feel-good moment. Morton ultimately won with a roll-up, and it was a nice little moment to see Jim Cornette in there with Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton, nine-time champs. And I just hope, honestly, this is short-term. They're not a, a long-term, not a long-term champion. I, I don't. 
I just hope this isn't long-term. I hope it is a little short, maybe few-week rain for them and actually give it back to wild cards. We could see that at into the fire, I feel like. But nine-time champs, and then afterward, they were kind of thanking Cornette for what he's contributed to NWA power as he has resigned over the last uh, couple weeks ago. Well, he resigned a couple of weeks ago after his remarks on NWA power is kind of racial remarks but uh they thank him and then that they reveal the actually nick aldis reveals the new newest member of the broadcast team will be joining galley it will be Stu bennett formerly known as bad news barrett also formerly known as wade barrett he should be an interesting addition to the broadcast table bring a different outlook on the show and I'm actually excited to see what he can do on commentary because I've never really heard him on commentary before, but it should be fun. But honestly, I thought NWA Power was another solid 46 minutes, actually, of wrestling TV on YouTube. Very easy to watch. And it just made everything pretty much, everything makes sense. And that's what I ask out of wrestling is for things to make sense. I really enjoyed that. And then honestly, that was my show of the week, NWA Power. If you haven't already, you can binge watch it on YouTube. It's very easy to watch. Just go on the NWA's YouTube page and go and watch that there. Very enjoyable, very quick watch, very fun watch. Some some shorter wrestling matches, but some very good promo work. Just the same. But that's going to do it for me this week on this episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, the week in review for this week. But next week, we will return to the normal format. I promise this time. I'm not going to say, I lied and do it again. I will return to the normal format that we are used to, where it's Monday Night Raw, NWA Power, and AEW Dynamite. As always... Make sure you to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show on Spotify, Podbean, and on Apple Podcast. Until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanking you all for listening. And so long, everybody. <laughs>